Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Today, our topic is trials, disappointments, and challenges. And my guest today is Jan Eccles, motivational speaker and author of Trials of Today, Treasures for Tomorrow. Jan will take us on a journey through the fires that forged her, blindness, marital infidelity, and the murder of her son, Joe. Adversity has not driven her into depression, but rather has caused her to reach for excellence in every aspect of her life. Her heart's desire is to share a story with those who suffer. Jan, welcome to Healing the Grieving Heart. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you, Gloria. Thank you. It's just wonderful to have you on the show today. Uh, I really enjoyed reading your book, and I was very interested to find out you actually grew up in La Paz, Bolivia. That's or right. lived there, what, till about 12? Correct. Mm-hmm. My parents and them. My brother and I immigrated at that, uh, at that time, back in 64, a long time ago. 64. Well, your father was quite an innovator, I must say. He kind of did every, everything, did, just made up his mind that he was going to bring you to the United States, right? He was determined. That's right. He had a lot of tenacity, and uh, I had a drive to have a better life for the, for the family, and uh, he took all the steps to make it happen, and here we are. Yeah, and, of course, you had to leave your grandma. Yes, we had to leave Grandma. And other family members. That's always always tough. So you kind of had an early loss in that way because you knew you you really wouldn't be back. It wasn't like, uh, we'll be back next week. That's right. You know, all of us suffer different uh, losses and different aspects in our life. And, of course, that, I had the loss of my my home that I knew going to a strange land, not knowing the language. Uh, Certainly it was a tough adjustment, but um, it happened. I did adjust and learned the language and... Here we are enjoying all the wonderful opportunities of the United States. Mm-hmm. And so kind of life went along with for you, and then you found out that you had, uh, re- I'm going to try to say it, retinitis, 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 or retinitis pigmentosis. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is where what the pigment in the eye kind of grows over the over the lens. Is that mm, it? Basically, actually, the, the retina has um, codes and rods, and they begin to malfunction and deteriorate to such an extent that uh, it just impairs what you, the vision. In other words, what you're looking at doesn't get transmitted to the brain, and there are pigments involved as well that change colors. So it's the whole um, working of the retina that's pretty much um, hampered and it causes um, blindness in many cases, as it did with me. Some people and, don't. They still maintain their sight. But, uh-huh. but you were able to go, um, you did not go blind until after college, is that right? Or, Correct. You know, yeah. I, I was around 30 years, so. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that was a gradual thing? It was. It took maybe, I want to say two years perhaps, the, by the time I began to, to notice the, the signs of lose of peripheral vision. Now, all my life I had night blindness. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the symptoms, initial symptoms. And then later on, it began to close in uh, the peripheral they, Day vision began to be affected, and um, in a matter of two years, I imagine I had I lost it completely. Hmm. Well, I wanted to discuss that a little bit with you because I I think it must give some insight into how you have dealt with your uh, son Joe being murdered in 2002, because uh, a lot of people by it's only been three years, um, you know, would not be doing as well as you are. And also, um, the fact that you were able to write a book, when did you start your book? Actually, I started writing the book probably my whole life. It was always in my heart. 
but I began to gain the information, uh, I want to say maybe about four years ago, prior to when it came out. I began to write just a little bit at a time. I thought I began at the beginning when we first moved here and uh, continued on and divided into chapters, and pretty soon it was what looked like a book and uh, decided to have... Now, did you start it before Joe was murdered? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, so it was just... uh, Because I was wondering, my goodness, 2002 and she could start a book. No. But you were already working on it. I was already... In fact, I was almost done with the book. Uh, The manuscript was almost finished. I was just going to kind of read read it a little bit for the last time to see if the chapter slowed. And that's when we lost our Joe. And I thought, oh, I just can't write anything. It's just, this is just too painful. There's no way. I don't want anything to do with writing any books at all. And um, what happened is that I realized that, you know, I'm not the only one suffering this loss. I'm not the only one who's hurting. There's got to be other people who also are going through the same episodes and because my husband and I were able to find peace, I would say relatively, relatively soon um, because, and I'll, tell you, I'll show you the reason why in a few moments, but when I found that Gina and I were surviving it, I, I guess it's the word you could use, I thought, no, I need to finish this book, and I decided to include the chapters about losing Joe, what we went through, the steps, the pain, the stages, all the different aspects of losing a child so that I could give the same hope that I had found and the same peace that I had found. Right. Well, now, tell our audience a little bit about Joe, how he died. Joe um, was actually began at an altercation on the road. Um, to this day, we're not really sure what happened. Even and how old was he? Joe was 19. Mm-hmm. And uh, it happened very close to home. Um, oh, and during the trial of to try the man who killed him, Joe had a friend with him who gave one version of what happened. The man who killed our son had a passenger who had her own version. And to this day, we're not really quite sure how it happened, who did what first. But what happened, there was an altercation on the road. They both pulled into a 7-Eleven. They both got out of the car. And my son didn't know the man was armed. Mm. Um, he had a knife and stabbed my Joe 23 times. Oh, my goodness. And, now, is he in prison then? No, he was acquitted self-defense. Oh, my goodness. Self-defense. And, you know, Gloria, that was probably one of the most difficult stages that we had to go through because no one could believe it. No one could believe that such a horrible crime could find acquittal for the person who committed yes. it. I've talked to you about forgiveness. Um did that come in for you, that you had to find forgiveness in your heart for him? How did you feel about seeing him? How do you feel about him now? How does your family feel about him, your husband, your kids? You know, what have you done with that? Yes, those are really good questions, Gloria. Obviously, the, the hardest thing for me to do is to have thoughts of the man who took my son's life. Uh, but I have to be honest with you. Before we lost Joe, um, my faith is I'm a Christian, and based on my faith, of course, we learn about forgiveness. And that's an easy term to talk about, and it's easy to say, yes, I'll forgive. But when it comes to something such a um, dramatic and painful and undescribable uh, thing against you to take your son's life, I really had to come to terms and say, okay, well, do I believe in something uh, enough to be able to take action and to put it into practice and to really forgive. 
And, of course, my husband and I both said that in order for us to live our faith, we have to take into action what we believe. So one time my husband said to me, you know, we don't know what God will do with this man, and maybe he'll come and repent and he'll be forgiven. So our job is to also forgive him because him being forgiven could perhaps someday be in heaven with our son, holding hands and praying, praising the Lord together, and who are we not to forgive him? The other, the other choice we had was to just hang on to that bitterness, that anger, that resentment, and a sense of revenge against him. But mm-hmm. that probably would have put us in a prison. So when we chose to forgive... In your own now, prison, right? Yes, our own prison. And some it people was, even go after the person, which is right. a literal person. Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, the, my oldest son had a little tough time with that. I think he still struggles with the pain of losing his little brother. But I, it was important for us to set an example for them. Now, we've not told the man that we've forgiven him. We've never had any contact. And I often thought, what would happen if he were to walk in one day or if I would run into him? What would we say? And I think we would say that we've forgiven him because i got to believe that he also is walking around carrying that burden with him. So the forgiveness was a must for us, Gloria. And how long did it take you? What you know? What was your initial response? And you know, we, I've interviewed several people uh, on the show whose uh, children have been murdered, and uh, and they've come to forgiveness. But it's, I will have to say, it's it's been a lot longer than it has for you. Some of them. Uh, one of the gentlemen has to go to a uh, Dr. Richard Dew, mm-hmm. um, who, by the way, his shows on uh, our CDs that uh, Compassionate Friends is selling. Um, he uh, talks about about what you're talking about, but it took him a ways down the road. But he has to go to court every 18 months and make sure that man stays in jail. There was another issue. I'm glad you brought that up because what could happen, too, is um, had he possibly been sentenced to prison, we could have been hanging on to that. Was it long enough? Was it severe enough? Is he still there? What will happen when he gets out? I think it would have continued for us. There yeah. isn't, yeah, there isn't a lot of satisfaction, as people tell me, even when they get people censured or get them fired or, or get people put in jail. There's still not a lot of satisfaction in that. No, no, I don't think it would, I don't think we would have walked out of that courtroom thinking, oh, I am so glad he got life imprisonment. You know, that, that wouldn't have brought our Joe back. Right. It wouldn't have changed our pain. And, um, that's what we initially thought, you know, we're here to, to, uh, see justice be done, you know, finally our son, it was a year after he was murdered that the trial took place, but instead what we believed is that, you know, God has the worst revenge and the just revenge, so leave room for what he's going to do. It's really up to him. We look to the loss of man to, you know, do justice for us, but in essence God said, I will take revenge. You know, revenge is mine, says the Lord. So there is a lot of freedom that comes with forgiveness. Um, so, you know, we had a lot of healing to do, and we didn't need the unforgiveness bind us like a chain. So, and I'm so delighted and blessed to have my husband agree with me. <laughs> right, yes. Now, do you think that your blindness and what you have gone through with that, I mean, it was a gradual thing, and I know you were, um, uh, in your book you talk about struggling with that, and, you know, why is this happening? And I think that's when you came to, to God was through your blindness. Isn't that Correct. That is correct. 
Definitely. I think I would say I've suffered two major losses in my life. Of course, losing my sight and losing my Joe. Two, however, were handled completely different. When I lost my sight, Gloria, I didn't know the Lord. I knew about God. I knew about Jesus. But, you know, I didn't know him personally to the point where I would think, oh, this is what God is going to do for me. This is what I need to hear. This is what I need to live by. I was pretty much into rituals and just going to church just to be going to church. So when I lost my sight, I needed to hang on to something that was solid, something that would allow me to take those steps to live a life in darkness physical darkness, because my boys were little little at the time. They were three, five, and seven, so I needed to have some type of strength to be able to go on. And at that time, my husband wasn't ready to face such a emotional trauma that his wife, you know, would be going blind. So there were a lot of issues going on. And when that happens, you only have one source, as far as my, I'm concerned, one source to get that strength from, and that's when I drew close to the Lord. And I began to read his word and to come to know him, and gain a strength and peace that I never knew before, even when I could see. A lot of people say to me, Chan, don't you ever wish you could see again? And I think, you know, if I were to be able to see again and be the person that I was, in other words, focused on the things of the world, what kind of car we drove, the kind of house we have, or how, you know, the designer clothes my boys would wear, the things that are really not important, I was empty. There was always a void in my life. There was something that... Needed. I was always looking for something else, but then when I found the Lord after I lost my sight, my life became, became complete. So I that had... so that really helped you. Well, you know, I just thought of something when you were talking. I was thinking, oh yeah, now now Jen, um, uh, this huge loss um, has may have helped her to come into a little more forgiveness, is what I'm thinking. But then I'm thinking also, your husband, he had to deal with the fact that his wife was losing her sight. That was very, very difficult for him. Uh, you know, what, what was he to do? And uh, the emotional reaction that he had was pretty much to say, you know, I don't think I can handle this. And, you know, he found someone to confide in, and that hurt me just terribly. Um, he did confess. And, I, you know, I, I want to say I understood, but I wasn't in a, in a stage emotionally to be able to understand. And that just devastated me even more. So you can imagine your husband telling you he's got someone else, you're losing right. your sight. Was, but, you know, one thing that I was amazed about that, because I've been a family therapist for 22 years, is that you guys held your marriage together. Even, I mean, it, it was an amazing thing to me. You know, it, um, I think um, the statistics are when someone loses their sight from this disease, the Divorce rate is like 70%, and when you lose a child, I think divorce rate is also quite high, I understand. You know, we, we've been discussing that on the show, and it's really not. I mean, on the show, it's really not. There's no, no, that's been a, a myth and a rumor mm-hmm. that people have been told for years, and it's not true. That's, well, it wasn't true in our case. Yeah, and, and mine either. We've been married for 45 years, so we did, actually did a show with Wayne Loader um, uh, on the fact that the divorce rate is really not that high. Good. That's good so. to know. Well, but anyway, how did you guys hold it together? I mean, it was amazing. You just It was from your love from the beginning or your kids. You had three kids then. or um, It's just kind of amazing to me. I mean, talk about forgiveness. <laughs> I mean, there is a forgiveness in that whole thing that is amazing. There is. And, you know, the forgiveness that I had to put in practice is one that had to be genuine. It had to be heartfelt. Absolutely. And, because it's so tempting to say, but remember, you know, bring it up. Exactly. And since it happened, Gloria, we've never brought it up again. 
and that's why when the manuscript, when I read the, uh, wrote the book and the manuscript was handed to him, that was the first time that he had heard me mention that again, and I was wondering how he would take it. Um, of course, it was a very painful episode in our marriage, and I wasn't sure how he would feel about it being told to the world. But he agreed because he said there could be other men and other marriages who have gone through what we went through and what I have done, and I think it's important that we share that and the, the fact that we have overcome that. Now, that I have is to... very, very sweet. Uh, it's mm-hmm. wonderful, and, and I think you're both absolutely right, and you're fabulous. Did your marriage get shaky at all after Joe's death, or or were you feeling no, it was, strong? Actually, I know a lot of people tell us um, that they grieve differently than their spouses. Uh, yes, we do. Definitely, uh, we do, and I think it drew us closer together. Um, and what we decided is this. We're going to have savvy moments. When he has the savvy moments, I'm holding him. When I have mine, he holds me. And we understand and we respect that. And we want to also, of course, set an example for our boys. Um, you know, it's, Joe went before us. But that doesn't mean that Joe went and we're going to stay here on this earth forever. We're also going to go through death, quote-unquote, but we're going to see him again. You know, one of the things that I get from you a lot from the book and everything is mm-hmm. you live in reality. <laughs> you live with what is. You, you have to. You Which have is to. a one, well, there are many, many people out there that that are not living in reality right now, and maybe they're not ready to yet. But mm-hmm. but there's a peace in reality. That... Yes, and you know I, what's really important too. You just mentioned that a very important point that I've seen through other people, other couples who are still struggling, and that is, all of us have such a different timeline as far as recovery. Uh, I just uh-huh. shared. I was talking to a group on just Monday night. And the woman had lost her child 28 years ago. And when she asked me when I lost Joe, she couldn't believe it. She said, it's been so recent. And, um, yes, it has. And even at Joe's funeral, I, I remember giving, while we were in our church, sharing with them that Joe has gone, but, you know, God's, God is the one who ordained the numbers of, number of his days. I didn't have control over that someone much bigger than I did, and our job is to really make sure that we end up, you know, in heaven and follow the steps to do that because my Joe had, uh, when he was 17, in our faith, as a Christian faith, he accepted Christ as his Savior, as the Bible indicates, to do so. So when he died, I had that incredible peace knowing where my Joe was because he had taken those steps. So it's not and, and for you, that works. And for some people, yeah. some of our audience, it may not work. No. But there may be people out there who hear this, and it will work. And the main thing I think we want to say here today is whatever you're doing and how you're doing it, forgiveness, surrender, uh, those kinds of things, whether it's uh, to a Christian God or a Muslim God or, you know, a Jewish God, uh, whoever you're doing that to, I think uh, it's an important thing. And, yes. And uh, what a wonderful thing you're telling us here. We, I was over in England uh, last week, and I was talking to a woman about the fact that you were going to be on the show, and she shot me off an email. Her name is Mary, and she's from Long, uh, London, England. Mm-hmm. And she said... Um, she wanted to say, Jan, my daughter had Hodgkinson's disease, and I hung in with God. It was a terrible five years, but ten years later, my son was killed, and I can't get it out of my head that God's punishing me. Mm. And then she said, she wanted to know, didn't Jan question her faith after her son was killed? Mm. Uh, actually, 
the questioning was, for me, Gloria, how is my faith going to be now in face of this unthinkable tragedy? Am I really going to blame God or feel guilty or say, you know, God couldn't possibly exist after this happening to me? Because you have to remember, up to that point, I was following the Lord. I was <laughs> very active in church. I did all the things I should. And then for this to happen, I just thought, this isn't fair. Yeah, I think that's what what uh, she is telling us too, Mary, yeah. that she hung in with God for the five years her daughter had Hodgkin's. Sure, and she already suffered one loss, a terrible right. loss, and she's here another one. Um, so my my resolution was that what is really what wouldn't be fair is for my Joe never to have been in my life. Uh, yeah. Possibly what would have been fair for me not to have known the love of a son, what would have been terribly unfair is for me not to have known God and his goodness. He took my Joe when he took him. doesn't matter the reason how. He took him when his days were over in this earth. He could have been 90. He was 19. That, that wasn't my choice. The most important thing is to know that I love him I have his memories, and I'm going to see him again. So for me to be able to question God and his doing, he says in the Bible, trust in me and lean not on your own understanding. I've never found him to say, try to figure it out. Try to understand why. Try to figure me out. He just says, trust in me. So what I did is I made a conscious effort, Gloria, to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, not in my feelings, not in my emotions. I'm going to just not even worry about it, but I'm going to trust you that when I wake up in the middle of the night and cannot believe that my Joe's gone, I will trust you to take that pain from me because that's what you promised. And when I did, see, when you trust somebody, you kind of let it go. You you take it from your heart and you give it to somebody else, and that's what I did. So in order for me to answer that question that I questioned my faith, I did not. I hung on to it even tighter, and I drew closer to God. And just thank them for the awesome, awesome privilege of having my Joe. So how did you, what I gleaned from her email is that somehow she thinks she's being punished. How did you, what is your thought on that, the idea that that we would be punished by having someone die? You know, um, I, I was thinking, um, I was jokingly, someone asked me about my next book, and I said, yeah, I would like to call this book, Lord, I'm not Joe, but I'm Jan. <laughs> you know, after losing my son and losing Joe and all the other things right. that came about. Uh, and the thing is, I don't think that, um, you know, a series of adversity uh, is an indication of punishment. I think the worst punishment for me to have is to say, you know what, from now on, Jan, you cannot have a relationship with God. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus. That would be the ultimate punishment. But for me to still be able to hang on his promises and say, it doesn't have to be up to me. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have the the comfort on my own. I have him to give me the comfort. How could I think I'm being punished when I have that awesome gift that I've taken it upon myself to open up and use um, to be able to get through all these different stages in my life? So, and you certainly have had some stages with uh, your blindness and, uh, right. well, the surrender. You know, uh, I worked with people who are blind, who have been blind since birth, and I find that they are very accepting because that's who they are. Mm-hmm. But I found that working with people who were blind later on in life, some of them were quite bitter uh, because mm-hmm. they had, had been sighted before. And I think that maybe has a bit to do with having not had to... Um, 
too much adversity in your life when you have a huge event. Uh, I think there's a surrender that I hear from you. Oh, you there, have surrendered that you're absolutely. that Jan is in control of the world, or absolutely. Jan's in control of her world. And there's a lot of freedom to that. And that doesn't mean we're responsible and thinking, okay, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to sit around the house and not worry. That's not what it means. I'm very diligent in trying to do and reach out to people and help them because that's what I feel my heart is in because there are other people who also have gone through the same thing I have. Uh, but I love what to... you say, uh, that word. I want to say it again. There's freedom in surrender. Believe oh it or not, goodness. there is absolute freedom out there in forgiveness, in surrender, in accepting what is. Yes. A yes, great deal know, of freedom. And, and I think we can create our own prisons of anger, bitterness, resentment, and it's a sad place to be. It's a dark place to be. But God told me personally uh, through his word that, you know, truth will set you free. And he right, absolutely. Yeah, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yes. You know, there, there's a man named Lou Cox who does a lot of, works with a lot of people who ha- have been involved with uh, having their children murdered. He's an advocate. He goes to court with them and, mm-hmm. because he's had a daughter murdered. And uh-huh. this is what he says, which he's going to be on my show in a few weeks, and he says this. He said, having a child murdered or having a child killed is like having another plate at the table all the time. It's an unwanted visitor who's been there. Do you leave the plate at the table and or do you feed it? Mm, that's right. Exactly. What are you going to do with that? It's, it's a, yeah, it's going to be there. That unwanted visitor is in your life. What do you do with it? That's right. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, when you lose a child... There are different um, different aspects or different facets of it. When you lose a child in a car accident, you think, oh, you know, if only he had, if only, uh, and when you, your child is killed in such a violent manner, you also have an other aspect of the trial of the person who committed this. And too many. And things. having the delay in between yes, must be it, horrendous. It is. It really is because you have to relive it all over again. So in a sense, I think it was a blessing for us that, Yes, he was found innocent according to man's law, according to the justice of the land, but we don't know what God is going to, how he's going to judge him. Right. He may just forgive him. But for us, he really gave a good, I don't want to say the word good, but a, a workable end to it so that we can begin our healing and begin to move forward without thinking, oh, he's, is he still in jail? Uh, not that, you know, it was good that he was found innocent or that it was good that he was... Um, uh, not punished by it, but for us, for our healing purposes, it allowed us to, for me, allowed me to move through and forgive and, and uh, just mm-hmm. live with the memories of our joy, with the positive memories that still make me smile and warm my right. heart, you know. <laughs> Which is one of the things I want to talk to you about is the sense of humor. Oh, yes, that's so important. And, you know, the one who taught me the sense of humor was my Joe himself. He had incredible wit. And I just know what he would be saying now, come on, my mom. Now, you know where I'm at. Why, why are you crying, you know? And uh, it is sometimes the gift of laughter. We can't forget the gift of laughter. And I heard a lady say to me once, she said, don't be afraid of the peace that you feel even though you lost a child. Because sometimes we feel guilty. It's like, oh, you know, I can't have a good time anymore. I can't finally possibly enjoy life again because, you know what, I'm a mother who lost a child. Oh, my goodness, that is so damaging. No, Joe, Joe loved to laugh, and 
Jill's laughing in heaven right now. Right. And so, I, I like that. Don't be afraid to enjoy the peace that you no. feel at times because it, sometimes you will. You and will. you do feel guilty when you start out the first laugh. We've talked about that before on the show, the, how you, the first time you hear yourself laugh, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, am yeah. I forgetting? Is this okay? You know. And then moments kind of when thing. you see a family with all their children, you think, oh, you know, I only have two now. I used to have three. And goodness, I thank you, Lord, I still have two. Thank you, son, that I still have a husband who loves me. I still have family. I still have friends I can reach out to and people I can help. So it depends, I guess, on, on what you focus on. And the, yeah, the other thing I'm hearing, people that you can help, is so wonderful, I mean, that you uh, go around. And, you, and I would tell people to get your book. It's amazing, Trials for Today and Treasures for Tomorrow. You've got lovely pictures in there, but you also mm-hmm. talk so candidly about your blindness and how you get around at the airport. And, and I guess I should ask you the number one question, how do you get your makeup on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so funny. You know, it, when um, I was... We had done a TV show in Miami a couple of months back, and the producer came up to me and he said, could I uh, ask you a question? He said, could I send some cameras to your home and just follow you and doing all the work, you know, the work I do out of my home, and, and including putting your makeup? I thought, oh, now that's a strange question. <laughs> I said, okay, no problem. So when the cameraman came, I said, okay, I'll make a deal with you. You can film me before I put on my makeup, but only side shots. Don't you show me frontwards. They are vanity plays of art. <laughs> so, so there, there he was with the cameras while I was putting on my makeup, and I do it on my desk while I have my headset on listening to something because obviously I don't need a mirror. So uh, the show came out pretty well. There I am cooking and putting on my makeup, and it's really as simpler than you think. Uh, you know, I just take the eyeliner and find my eyelashes and one line, and <laughs> there I go. So... Well, you're really lovely, and uh, hopefully people will get the book and see you with that darling family you've got. They're Thank uh, you. really a beautiful family. And I want to mention, too, if you don't mind, that the proceeds from the book, from the sale of the book, go to a scholarship with, that uh, we established on in Joe's memory. Oh, that's wonderful, and, and I love to hear those things of, about how what you've done for him and his memory. We have a caller, and it's Brenda from Ohio. Brenda, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, welcome to the show, and thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thank you. Did you have a question for Jenna? Well, actually, I just wanted to make a comment. Um, I'm Brenda Nixon. Jan and I have um, met kind of through email because we're both authors, but I have Ah. read her book and found it to be so inspiring. And I, fortunately, I have not had to suffer through the tragedy of losing a child. I can't even imagine the kind of pain that must bear, but... I, I just was so interested in Jan's topic and the way she was so candid and positive and presenting it that I actually used the book as a gift to help somebody else through their grief journey. Oh, that's great. Brenda, that is so nice. I, I find that that's happened quite a bit where people say, mm-hmm. you know, my friend is going through a hard time. Um, your book will help him. And you can't imagine what a blessing that is to me, Brenda. Oh, good. <laughs> you. It really, really is. Well, you're talking about the makeup issue. That was always my curiosity, too. (laughs) (laughs) Jen said in her book that that was the most asked question, so I had to ask her the most asked. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Of course, unless I go to to speak to um, schools or little children, they say, Uh how do you eat ice cream? (laughs) Oh, great. How do you? (laughs) Oh. That is so, so precious. But uh, 
I thank you so much for your support, Brenda. Oh, what you're very excited that you called in. Well, I'm listening. I mean, I wanted to hear this interview, and I'm listening, and so appreciate hearing your voice and, and you. hearing what you have to share and the way you answer questions. And, oh, thank and you. And I, I do recommend your book, and I just hope that, you know, as, as authors, we can meet someday. Absolutely, <laughs> we will. And, you know, that is a true, true compliment because Brenda, we're not just talking to an author. She is an extremely accomplished author. She's written books as an expert on parenting. So it, oh, it really means a lot. What's your last name, Brenda? What's your book? Oh, uh, it's Brenda Nixon, and my book is Parenting Power in the Early Years. So it's to help those parents in the first five years oh, great. face the challenges of raising children. But, you know, um, I would just like to suggest, you know, with, with um, death that affects the family, to remember those kids who are left behind, those kids who are the survivors, and often they feel a sense of survival guilt. Of, you well, know, check, our, check yeah. our website and look at the shows we've had on. We've had quite a few oh, siblings yeah. on. So if you have any anybody that um, needs some help with sibling, have them uh, check in oh, yeah, to our wonderful uh, archive resources. sites on the Compassionate Friends because mm-hmm. uh, I've interviewed quite a few siblings. Good, it's, good. That's a good point. And my, that's my daughter's expertise. She teaches at Columbia is siblings, sibling loss. So. Oh, good. So we're working on it. I know. She calls them the forgotten mourners. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, and I, Brenda, I would... thanks so much for calling in. And we okay. appreciate it. And uh, take thank care and good you. luck with your book. Thank well, you, thank Brenda. you. Bye, Jan. Bye-bye. Thank you again. Yes, I'm able to interpret court proceedings. So I'm very familiar with court. <laughs> uh, and, of course, that is what I do as a job, quote-unquote, but my passion and what I absolutely love to do is to speak and give inspirational talks and messages to different groups, uh, different corporations. Um, A lot of times I visit them because what they do is they um, impart a lot of knowledge, technique, information, and I say knowledge can fill your mind, but inspiration will put it into action. So they bring me in to give a talk and let them know that, yes, you can do it, and you can overcome difficulties, and you can move forward no matter what you face. Um, I also write. I'm writing articles for magazines, which is um, another honor that I have because when you your articles appear in magazines, of course, it reaches a lot more people in greater numbers, and a few of them have been accepted in national magazines. I write for local ones as well. And, um, and tell us about your website. You have an award-winning website. Oh, my website. Oh, my goodness. I was so thrilled. And, uh, and tell us how to get it. <laughs> okay, my website, the name is uh, www.janeckles.com. It's Jan, my first name, J-A-N, and the last name is spelled E-C-K-L-E-S.com. So it's janeckles.com, and you can get my book there, too. You can order it from there. Or you can email me. There's my email at, uh, on the website, janeckles.com. And recently I was just thrilled to learn that Writer's Digest Magazine, which is the largest um, writer's magazine in the nation, had chosen the, t- chosen the top ten uh, websites for writers, and they chose mine as number seven. So I was just thrilled. And I thought, great. Not bad for a blind woman, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, not bad for anybody. You are you are fabulous. You're a fabulous uh, inspiration. And, and uh, you know, I just want to say before we uh, close the show, I just uh, really admire your husband, too, and, oh, and reading the book. He's... Uh, you two are just a, an amazing couple, and um, thank you. I, I just think you're an inspiration to everyone and Aww. what you've been through and the way you've handled it. And and thank blessings you. to your two boys too. And uh, thank you, it's uh, 
Jason and Jeff, right? Jason and Jeff, my three Jason. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, tell them to listen to some of the sibling things on. They might be interested in hearing uh, some okay. of the show about siblings and other siblings and how they've dealt with it because they certainly have their own issues. So it's a time anyway for us to close our show today, and I want to thank Janet Eccles, who is my very, very special guest. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.